This week, we take a break from Star Wars and talk all about our final thoughts on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Heroes, villains, villains-ish, and whatever you'd consider Sharon Carter, we discuss it all and more on this episode of Krypton to Alderaan. Welcome, everyone, to Krypton to Alderaan. For a thousand generations, Krypton to Alderaan were the guardians of peace and justice in the Old Republic, before the dark times, before the Empire. I'm Joey, and with me is Royce. Hello, podcast. Robin. Hello. And Dr. Lorelai. Hello. And we're the podcast that talks all about nerdy pop culture stuff, but it's mostly Star Wars. If you'd like to get in touch with us, simply reach out with your feelings. We're on social media everywhere at Krypton to Alderaan, or you could pew pew us in an email at Krypton to Alderaan at gmail.com. Also, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, I guess, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. If you're not listening on Apple Podcasts, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Like Maximum Derek did. Guys, we got a review from Maximum Derek. Wow, what did Maximum Derek say? So I'm so glad you asked, Royce. He says, Best podcast out there, and then five stars. This podcast is amazing. The breadth, breadth, and depth of knowledge on each topic is great. As a lifelong Star Wars fan, I'm learning new things with each episode. Joey convinced me to start watching The Clone Wars. You're welcome. And that show is just great as well. We have fans. I don't think they could hear you pat yourself on the back with that one, Joe. <laughs> I just, it's mostly just like, I got one! Clone Wars! Yay. <laughs> if you want to leave us a review, we will read it on the show like I just did. Okay. Audience, excuse us all for a minute. Friends, why don't we take this time to casually catch up? No pressure. Because it's sort of like a dance like nobody's watching and catch up like nobody's listening. <laughs> how's everyone how's everyone been for the past however long it's been since we talked? It feels like it's been a long time since we podcast last. Am I the only <laughs> one that feels that way? No, I think you're right. It feels like a long time. Sad. Yeah. Well, what well, else here do we, we have are. to say? <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody have anything that they have, I don't want to say, been into because that segment is dead. <laughs> but like, what's new on 2020? What is new on 2020? This week's episode was interesting, as I'm trying to remember. I remember it was interesting. Help me out. <laughs> yeah, what was it? Oh, it was it was the uh, the one about the father who was convicted of kidnapping and murdering his child in the river. Right. But it wasn't actually him. Right, but he went to jail, but it wasn't him. Yeah. But then he got out. Yeah, and now the family's divorced and they have another kid. Did they catch the actual killer? They did, yeah. They... <laughs> It was another classic case of the police didn't actually look at any of the evidence because the guy who actually kidnapped and killed the daughter um, realized he left muddy footprints on the bank of the river. So he took his sneakers off and threw them in the water. And mm. the inside of the tongue of his sneakers had his last name in them. Wow. But they didn't look at the sneakers for several years. <laughs> so oh when was God. the crime committed versus when the guy got out of jail? I believe it was early 2000s at some point. Like, I want to say it was like 2000, 
one. The father was only in jail for eight months. Yeah. Oh wow. Only. But the yeah, I mean that's still terrible. But could also be dead. Like, yeah, it could have been like thirty years and. Yeah, but it took them like a really, really long time to find the actual killer. Like that was within the past like five years, I think it. Hmm. It was. Hmm. Even though his name was on the shoe. They didn't. Yep. They didn't look at the <laughs> shoes. They were just like, we found shoes today. Put them in evidence, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the only reason they eventually found out who it was was because the killer's ex-girlfriend came was forward. Was like, where are those sneakers that I got you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And wrote your name in. <laughs> uh, I think the FBI was kind of, they reopened the case and they were going door to door in the town and they went to his ex-girlfriend's house and he was already in jail for burglary or something. So he was already in jail. Um, and then the FBI went to visit him in jail and uh, they have a recorded line of him calling his mom saying, mom, I did something bad. You need to get down here so I can hug and kiss you because I might never see you again. Oh, man. Yikes. Jeez. But it was like that combined with the ex-girlfriend saying, you know, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure it was him. Right. Uh, and then eventually they got him to confess on tape without a lawyer present. So he's in jail for the rest of his life now. To wow. Cops. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Well, <laughs> listeners, if you want to hear more about 2020, go back in our back catalog and listen to Robin and I. Well, mostly Robin and I ask questions about 2020. It's a good episode. It's a lot of fun. Anyway, who's next? Royce? <laughs> so, you know how like 2020 always boils my blood and we watch the episode and I'm like, I can't go to bed now. I'm so angry. Yeah. Well, there is also another show that is back for a new season and boils my blood just as much, if not more, The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, wow. On yeah. Hulu. Man. <laughs> Dude, uh, Joey, I feel like it's not up your alley. I don't know if, if you've watched or not or if you're familiar with, but it reminds me a lot of like how uh, The Boys is with superheroes, but like with women and with dystopian societies, it does yeah. not make you feel good after watching the show. You just get angry. And it's shocking how, like, real it feels it could be. Right. But it's such a good watch. In the same sense <laughs> that, like, 2020 is a good watch, even though the story isn't a happy story. You know what yeah. I'm saying? But at least Handmaid's Tale is fictional. So it's got that going for it. But they dropped three episodes last week or the week before, and there's a new one last week, and now they're trickling them out one by one. And I am enjoying. It was... Okay particularly scary watching it last year with like the election coming up and you're like, Oh God, this feels like it could be real in like six yeah. months. So it's like, yeah. it's still creepy and it's still kind of scary, but it's much less scary now that it doesn't feel like it's the impending, impending. reality. Yeah. For sure. Have you watched any of the handmaid's tale, Lorelai? I watched the first couple episodes. I've read the book, but I, my understanding is that the show is like pretty far outside the, the realm of the book at this point. Oh, yeah. Or, like, didn't even really... I don't know. Wasn't, like, keeping super close, but using the same premise, basically, as the book. And it came... I mean, the first season came out right after the 2016 election, I think. Maybe? Is that true? Because I feel like I remember it coming out and watching a couple episodes and being like, this is too close to home. I cannot watch. Yeah. We got into it late, so I'm not sure, but that sounds about right. Because I think yeah. it's in the fourth season now. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I love Elizabeth Moss from her days on the West Wing. Mm. I have never watched A Handmaid's Tale. Perhaps we should give it a go. Yeah. Although I don't know if I 
want to watch something that's just going to make me angry all the time. It's not yeah. uplifting. The episodes yeah. end and you're like, I can't believe like it's it's not not fun. I don't yeah. know why we like to watch things that yeah. don't make us feel good. That's why I say I don't think it would be up your alley, Joey, but it is yeah. really epic though. And there's like a lot of violence. violence it's yeah. pretty gory at times. Yeah. Like people lose yeah, limbs. Yeah, all about that and, life. Ooh, yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have a desire to see that stuff. I've started watching Invincible, which is an animated show based on a comic book. And the comic book is written by Robert Kirkman, who's notoriously gory. I think he, he wrote he wrote the Walking Dead comics and stuff like that. And like I could read the comics and it didn't really phase me, but watching the show, for some reason, the gore, like it doesn't make me sick or anything. I'm just kind of like, why? It's, it was the same with Game of Thrones a lot of the time. It's just like, why? There's sometimes they do, why? do the use the gore in Handmaid's Tale as like just a little too much in like a horror aspect rather than like we need to tell you this story element that you're like, eh, you're just mm -hmm. kind of freaking me out a little bit. Yeah, sort of unnecessary sometimes, I think. Lorelai? Yeah. What have you been into? I've been trying to think about what we've been watching. Besides, you know, making slow and steady progress on Doctor Who. But mm -hmm. um, we just watched Raya and the Last Dragon. Yes. Which was very sweet. Yes. It was really good. Um, not surprisingly. We paid for premiere access. We did it. I would say it it's worth it. worth it to pay. The It's a very good movie. It's very heartfelt. It's very fun. It's in, It's extremely enjoyable visually. And it's worth the 30 bucks to support the people who made it, the people who are in it, every aspect of it. Yeah. And we kind of figured, you know, 30 bucks, we'd spend more than that going to see a movie. So, yeah. Eh, Very whatever. enjoyable. Yeah, it was good. And I love Aquafina always. Yeah. So that was fun. Her as a fun, fancy dragon. <laughs> yeah. Aquafina's great. I'm glad she's in more and more things. Joey, what are you into this week? Thanks. Oh, gee, uh, let me think. What am I? Uh, the Bad Batch. Come on. Just everyone go and watch. Listen, Derek listened to me and he watched The Clone Wars and he really liked it. I've never steered anyone wrong in my entire life. <laughs> go, watch the, go watch The Bad Batch. It's so incredibly good and we're only two episodes in. And just, uh, I've talked on this podcast before about like the emotional pull of animated Star Wars and it only two episodes. This show just like, gets you it grabs you right in the heart it's incredible how they do it he's just so good at writing dave filoni is really good at writing emotional connection stories joey woke up early to watch it without me yeah yeah so i didn't have to subject <laughs> to anybody who might not have i know been as enthusiastic he's like a little kid waking up early to watch his cartoons the first the first episode is actually like 70 minutes long so i guess is that it really maybe two yeah wow see for some reason, I thought they dropped like an entire season. So I guess maybe it just seemed like there was a whole season based on how much like runtime there was with people yeah. like talking about it. But watching one episode a week is not so bad. I was like, oh, if there's like 10 episodes out already. Like I'm not going to sit down and like binge it. But yeah. now it seems like maybe I could keep up with it. Yeah, it's really well, I really enjoy it. Um, I think they're doing a really great job at storytelling. And the first episode, like I said, it's 70 minutes long and it's very cinematic. And I think it's just I don't know, there's a connection to the characters and there's a connection to seeing the events 
unfold from a new perspective. I think it's all very good. So I'm excited. I'm really excited to see where it goes. I just love animated Star Wars. Ah, just love it so much. It's all good. Okay. Is that what we're all into? On to the next thing. So we have had a couple of really fun Star Wars episodes in a row, including mine and Royce's special May the 4th episode. If you haven't listened, go back and listen. It's a lot of fun. Uh, But now we're going to take a little break from Star Wars and talk about our final thoughts on Falcon and the winter is coming. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Uh, So final thoughts. We've all watched the finale at this point. We're a couple of weeks out. I guess let's go around and just say what we thought overall. Robin, uh, how many Buckies out of 10 would you give Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Uh, 12. Wow, 12 wow, Buckies. Wow, 12 whole Buckies. So would you say that it didn't meet your expectations, it met your expectations, or it met and exceeded your expectations? I would say it exceeded my expectations. I thought it was going to be really, really good, but I was a little afraid there would be that element of like, this sucks, where Steve Rogers. Hmm. Apparently on the moon, I guess. Somewhere. I was pleasantly surprised that they were able to make it work. I mean, they obviously mentioned him a lot. So I think that's probably part of the element of how they did make it work, you know, a little bit. But I was pleasantly surprised that there wasn't really any single moment where I thought, this sucks, this doesn't, this dynamic doesn't work without a Captain America. They did a very good job making it work between the two of them and not feel like, at least to me, it didn't feel like a corny, like, buddy cop kind of TV show. It just, it worked. And it it felt, like, every episode felt like its own movie, which I also really enjoyed. Like, I was excited when the credits came on. It felt like sitting in the theater waiting for a movie to start. So I think they did a really great job. Yeah, it was, the beginning of each episode, I think, was very cinematic, including, like, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier title theme that came up. But that's an interesting point, like not waiting around for Steve Rogers to show up or being like, this sucks, where's Captain America? And maybe, maybe it has a little something to do with like, they had a Captain America, but he sucked. Like John Walker was there as Captain America, but every time you were like, get this jackass off the screen, he sucks. And then give me back Sam and Bucky. So it kind of, I agree that they're like chemistry and they're seen and, and, uh, all of the action with them together was very enjoyable, but maybe there was a little bit of that too. Like, give me Sam and Bucky and get John Walker off the screen. Yeah, he sucks. John Walker sucks. He was definitely, mm-hmm. and every time he would come on the screen, Worse would be like, God, I hate this guy. Can can they just stop using him? And I was like, you're supposed to hate him. The yeah. entire point of his character is that you're supposed to be like, this guy sucks. He's terrible. Can somebody kill this guy already? Like, he wasn't supposed yeah. to be someone that you're like, yeah, John Walker's here. No, it's surprising that there are actually people that think that way out there, though. I've seen them on Twitter, and that's a shame. What did you like about it, I guess? Was there a particular, I don't know, theme to it or the action, the relationship building? How did it all make you enjoy the show? I mean, in general, I think I was probably always going to like it just because I like that part of the universe. I like the... Captain America part of the universe, but I like that they they built on their each of their individual like personal stories without making it feel corny. And you got to learn 
a little bit more about like Bucky post being Winter Soldier and how he's making amends. And I wasn't a huge fan of the therapist aspect. I thought that was a little cheesy because he definitely wasn't super respectful about it. But yeah. Oh, we're going to talk about that. Yep. It was kind of funny, (laughs) but not my favorite part. Uh, But overall, I like that they were showing more of that side instead of just, well, he's not the Winter Soldier anymore and he's hanging out with Captain America and he's Captain America's sidekick and that's all he's doing right now. So I like that they built on that and then you got to see more of like Sam's story and his family and what he's doing aside from being the Falcon and saving the world. So I think they did a really great job building on that part of the universe and expanding on the characters in a way that didn't make you feel like you're watching, you know, Ant-Man and their nine and a half hour long exposition of Mm. the backstory. Like (laughs) it, it was interesting and it never felt incredibly boring. Yeah, so I think that that's something we're going to get into in this discussion is that they, I I had thought going into it that it was going to be a return to the punch em up action MCU. And it was, but it was also the, the emotional dive into these characters and the trauma that they suffered separately and together and them dealing with that. And the scene, I think... When I was 100% in was when there's the flashback to Bucky and Wakanda and they're working on his mind. And I can't remember her name and that really sucks. But she's reading the book and he's not like becoming the Winter Soldier. And they're around the fire and he starts crying. And first of all, I was like, this is incredible storytelling that we would have never gotten in the MCU before phase four, obviously, because we didn't get it until now. But also, Sebastian Stan deserves an award. That's just, that was an incredible performance and an incredible moment in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Just amazing. Royce, what do you think? What did you think overall of Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Uh, I really like that it was different for a TV show, but not different in the way that WandaVision was different. Like, (laughs) I liked that it had that movie cinematic feel to it that they clearly started with like, you know, a regular movie script and like movie storyboard or whatever, like the shell of a Hollywood blockbuster movie. And then when they realized you're like, we're going to have a TV show, like you can like fill in all of the things you would skip over in a movie, like everything you guys are talking about right now. Like maybe that campfire scene would not have been included in a movie where you're trying to like hit a particular runtime or keep, you know, 12-year-olds really engaged. And I love that part of of the show. I like the therapy stuff and, like, the kind Mm -hmm. of brooding scenes that go on. I also really like when you know that you're going to be in that format. I feel like, like, actors can, like, sit on a couch and, like, give you more emotion and, like, pause in between every line. You're not going to get, like, a George Lucas that's like, hey, let's do that scene over faster and more exciting like it's (laughs) a terrible dirt it's okay to (laughs) let those moments like breathe though you know and i think that makes it more powerful in the end when you have those moments even though sometimes like i could see that not working in a movie but i love the director cut format like we had a movie we're gonna make it a show so we need to fill in these gaps and we'll build out the characters but i kind of wish it was almost like even a little bit like they're in this weird in between of movie and tv show where it would have been cool to just have like a Bucky episode where he did like 
work on all that shit. Like at the end of the season, when he finally apologizes to that Japanese dude or whatever, like that's like a passing moment. You don't like get a whole full circle thing. Like there weren't like episodes about particular characters. It was still sort of this like movie format broken up into episodes. So I think that's interesting to note, like another Marvel Disney plus show that is like totally different than everything else that you've seen. But Overall, I enjoyed it. Like, it was a good ride from start to finish. I don't really have many complaints about it. Yeah, we'll save that for me. (laughs) Lorelai, what did you think? Yeah, I also enjoyed it. I don't know if I would give it 12 out of 10 Buckies. Forgot to ask Royce how many Buckies he would give it. (laughs) Maybe like a solid eight Buckies. But yeah, I think it was, you know, kind of a return to what Marvel used to be, but also bringing in new elements that make it a little bit more interesting in some aspects, you know, between the like, you know, the like mental health. And there's like several characters that are struggling with their mental health and are dealing with issues and PTSD and we're not dealing with or it. not dealing with that. Yeah. And the sort of like racial aspects that are very present in everyone's mind. So I think if you're making a movie and you're not including that right now, or if you're making a show and you're not including any of that right now, it's like, okay, so you're just pretending that these problems don't exist. (laughs) I don't know. So yeah, I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. It was fun. Some good characters. Go ahead, Royce. I was going to say, it's nice to have like a superhero movie where it's not like the bad guy kidnaps the superhero's girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the motivation for the character. Like, yeah. I love Spider-Man, but that's pretty much every Spider-Man movie, right? For the most yeah. part. Well, yeah. The bad the guy captures Spider-Man's one, only one, Joe? No, the old ones I saw. Oh, the, yeah. The, uh, I don't think it I don't think the Tom Holland ones have been that. Right. But right. certainly they the just... Toby Maguire ones and the Andrew Garfield ones right. were, were that. So maybe I'm kind of specifically like driving into those that particular timeline of superhero movies but like yeah it should be things that like you actually can relate to i can't relate to my girlfriend being stolen by like a super villain nobody can really (laughs) but everyone can relate to like i went through through some shit and i'm not like dealing with it that well yeah like that makes a lot of sense when you like humanize the superhero people yeah and i think even just like you know the the villains in this show like the flag smashers what they're fighting against is like a really real problem. Yes. And they talk about that a lot in the show that it's like, yeah, you're right, but you're just doing the wrong thing about it. <laughs> Which I feel like they, you know, the MCU kind of touched on with what's his face? Thanos. Um, yeah, where it's like, oh, you know, we have we're destroying the planet, you know, we're destroying the environment, but he as a result becomes an eco-terrorist. <laughs> Um, well, whereas like the flag smashers also, you know, they're responding to this situation, which is like deeply terrible and unequal and is a problem that is very similar to the ones we have on the, in the real world. Right. But they're responding in, you know, not, I, I don't know. They're just not responding in a way that's going to like actually accomplish the goals they want. So not to say that I think that the way that Sam handled it is right either but i think it's you know it it's a the movie hits much closer to home i think than some of the other ones just because the issues they're dealing with are very real and well and he has that line where he's like you're not listening to these people like you don't understand them and that's like 
that's humanity in a nutshell. Yeah. Yep. What are you all so upset about? We should probably talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so the Thanos thing, that's what they've played on, right? That was like the MCU villains have been, you know, some of the MCU villains have been this sort of mixture of, well, they're right, and this is how we can relate to the goal that they're trying to create. But you have to make that connection, whereas the Flag Smashers, yes, was set in reality. They they were the first, like, reality-based threat in the MCU that, that makes, that I think is an incredible evolution of this storytelling we're getting into with with WandaVision and with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We're getting into this deeper level of storytelling and the Flag Smashers were such a big part of that with their goals. Yeah, and if you take out the super serum part of it, it's like entirely believable. Yeah. Like everything they do is just like could definitely happen. It's not quite the same as previous villains. Right. So let's talk about the villains, I think. I Well, I'll go. I enjoyed it overall. I I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought that I was going to coming off of WandaVision and having really enjoyed that and not wanting to get into the the Hulk smash MCU. Um, But like I said, there was a lot, there were a lot of deep connections. There were more meaningful stories told, the racial elements, the refugee elements, the the mental health, elements and i think that that's i th- i also think that well i put like lorelei has said maybe on this podcast i put a lot of pressure on pop culture but i do think that you have an obligation to discuss these issues if you're reaching the audience that these things are reaching so yeah i think it's just better for everything but let's talk about some of the villains and let's start with john walker uh very punchable face right royce <laughs> Yeah, I would Just, agree. We, we knew he was going to be a villain. What I think is really interesting, Sam gives up the shield, obviously. In Captain America, the first Avenger, the German doctor, Dr. Erskine, tells Steve Rogers something like, the serum makes a good man great and like a bad man worse. That's what he says. And it's actually brought up in this show by John Walker's friend. But I think it's... One of my first, like, connections to this show was how interesting it was that they took that idea and absorbed it into the shield. Like, it wasn't about the serum anymore. The shield, John Walker having that shield, as soon as he got the title of Captain America and he got the shield, he started to sort of crack. And that the shield absorbed that idea of it makes a good man great and a bad man worse. I I just think that that's an element of really great storytelling that they transferred to this new age of the MCU. And John Walker starts to lose it under the pressure of being Captain America combined with his, you know, PTSD, but he's an exemplary soldier and a war hero or whatever he's got going on, so they make him Captain America. So Robin and I on our, we, we also did a Krypton to Alderaan side episode about our uh, anticipation of this show. And we talked about the fact that there would be three different villains and we weren't sure how that was going to play out. Historically, that hasn't worked out well for superhero movies. But I think starting with John Walker, it worked out really well. Like they each build, each group of villains built the story so well. 
and added their own step to the storytelling. By the end of this show, John Walker is still alive. He's like, Carly Morgenthau is dead. Zemo is in a Wakandan prison. John Walker's still out and about. So we have a future with John Walker as a villain in the MCU. So he's the first out there villain in the MCU. How do we feel about him entering us into the MCU as a villain based on this entire show and everything he's done, taking the shield, cracking, killing, making his own shield, obviously having some, some kind of psychotic break. And we'll obviously see more of him in the future, but he's the first real villain that we have. Um, Agatha Harkness, her like mind's wiped or whatever. And she's living in New Jersey somewhere. Thanks to Wanda. So John Walker's the first one that we're we're going into the MCU with. I guess he's not that scary to me yet, I would say. He's a super like, soldier now. He's a super soldier, but he's going up against like other super soldiers and I don't know. I think they're they're going to have to develop that like what was his new role? What did they call him at the end? He gets his new outfit. Agent. U.S. agent. U.S. So, agent, which is like kind of weird. But like he's like obviously like that's going to grow and become more of a thing. I'm sure he's going to like get some cool weapons or whatever. But like just him being a regular old super soldier. I think they've already beaten him like multiple times in this movie. And so he's not that scary to me. I would say what's her face? I guess we're talking about John Walker right now. Julia Louise Dreyfus. No, I love her. She's funny. She's a funny. She's a funny villain. But uh, no, what's her name? Carter Sharon. Megan. Oh, Sharon Carter. Sharon Carter is now a villain, right? Or it's like unclear what she is. But she's more scary because now she's like on the inside and is obviously up to some very bad, conniving, evil bullshit. So she's a little bit more of a mystery and is more scary like what is she up to whereas john walker is just like gonna parade around his fake captain america suit and who knows what he's gonna do i mean it's it's just kind of like yeah they can beat him they already beat him once but they think sharon's on their side and yeah she's much smarter than all of them combined so and she went i mean she's going up against super soldiers as a normal human being yeah. without any tech, and without any wings. Just a badass. So, and I don't think we're at the place where you'd need to say you can be in a US agent or we need a US agent. Like, we don't need you to say his name. You could just, like, next time we see him, people could be calling him you. I think it's so corny and it's so like old fashioned superhero mm-hmm. movie to be like, we're going to call you U.S. agent. Just leave it. Just leave it alone. <laughs> Don't say nothing. What do you guys think about John Walker as the lead-in villain for, the, for Phase 4? Lorelai's right. Like Thanks. He, he, they already beat the crap out of him. He's already kind what, of been like, times. I'm a good guy. I'm Captain America, everybody. Ooh, look at me. I'm Captain America. And then he kind of like falls from grace. But then he like wants to help the good guys still. He's like on this fence. He's a loser. Like he doesn't yeah. know what he stands for. So yeah. he's just broken. He had a little redemption at the end. Like he did the right thing at the end. Right. 
even though he built that creepy shield. But now he's going to be, like, used. Yeah. Yeah, he's just a tool. He's not a villain. He's just a strong dude with a suit. Yep. I agree. That he's just going to be kind of like somebody else's pawn, and he'll probably come back to the good guys. And I, I hate those, like, sneaky characters where you're like, I don't don't know what you stand for, so it's harder to root for you. And also, like Zemo. I want to punch you in the face. <laughs> you just don't. There's nothing about him that makes you me want to rally, like not as a bad guy, nor as a good guy. Also, I don't know if anyone's pointed out yet, but uh, apparently he auditioned to be Captain America. Yeah. Mm. Right. Which I just find is like a really fascinating tidbit that like he didn't get to be the real Captain America, but he got to be the fake Captain America. Yeah. That's such it's a all, crazy. It's all very meta. Yeah. Right. Like now that we've seen how it all plays out. <laughs> yeah. That's the perfect word for it. Yeah. Robin, how did you like, uh, because I'm interested because we had this discussion about all these villains. So how did you like John Walker? How many punches would you give John Walker? 12 out of 10. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he never really felt like a villain. He just felt kind of like a fly that wouldn't go away. It felt a That's lot a like... perfect way to put it. <laughs> it felt a lot like watching uh, The Force Awakens with Kylo Ren where you're like... You're oh, not a bad guy. That's the worst way to put it. He, he, Kylo Ren just had a temper tantrum the whole time. It was like, no one's taking me seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what John Walker did. And it was like, go away. There are actual bad guys doing bad guy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you're not a bad guy, but you're not a good guy. And you're really annoying everyone, please. I was really, really, really hoping that someone was just going to shoot him in the face and be uh. I'm really disappointed that he's obviously coming back at, at some capacity in the future, whether they do a season two or they do a movie or whatever. He's yeah. obviously not gone, at least not yet. And that's very disappointing. It's he's has nothing about him that I've enjoyed because he doesn't feel like a bad guy. He just is annoying. Well, when they need someone to just like, what character can we insert into this particular plot line that can play that role? Like he's just an, a new go-to then, you know? He's a different face and he could be a good guy. He could be a bad guy. So it's kind of pretty versatile from like a storytelling point. <laughs> I think his arc will continue to grow towards being a villain, which I think as much as I also did not enjoy the character, just because they really made him very unlikable. Like even when he was Captain America, he was a very unlikable character. And I think his arc will continue to move towards villain especially when he finds out he's being played by Hydra, or if they call themselves Hydra after this, I don't know. But the fact that he had sort of a mental break being Captain America, and now he's back, and then he's going to learn that he's being played by the real villains, that might have a huge impact on his mental health, and that might that might push him into, like, next level villainy. So I don't think they'll miss out on that. We'll see. But I really enjoyed uh, Sharon Carter in this, Lorelai, getting back to what you were saying. I thought it was great. I thought she played, I thought she, I mean, she also like played both sides, right? Like John Walker was playing. Mm -hmm. And who knew that that, when when Robin and I spoke, we were talking about like the three villains, the Flag Smashers and John Walker and Zemo who Royce made a really good point about a few minutes ago that we'll get back to. 
But who knew Sharon Carter was going to straddle that line? I thought she did really great. I loved her character. And I'm 98% certain I was going to save this for the end. But I'm 99% certain that she's a Skrull. We're getting into... We know that they're making Secret Invasion, which is where the shape-shifting aliens, the Skrulls, take over levels of power on the Earth in order to take it over. And at the end of this series, I think it was very clear that she was a Skrull. How about the rest of you? Did anybody else think that she was a Skrull? No. (laughs) (laughs) That's a funny question because I already know all your answers, right? I like the Skrulls. That would be cool. I'm interested in that. It's really... yeah, it's really cool because we uh, we obviously have like Talos and his set of scrolls, which are helping. They're like the good guys, right. and now we're gonna get this villainous sect of scrolls that are trying to take over the governments of the world. And I'm pretty sure that's where Sharon Carter is at. And I think that's a really cool tie-in to to what's coming next in the MCU. So, speaking of a villain that straddles the line you don't know what he stands for i loved zemo in this i just loved zemo he was just in it for a good time he's like cool i get to get out of prison and like do some stuff yeah and i i think i misspoke before i said i think i said he was in a wakanda prison but he's on the raft at the end of this whatever this is falcon and the winter soldier but yeah just so good he just played the scenes so well Everyone loved that club scene. Marvel released the full the full length like Zemo dancing at the club thing because everyone like took to the internet and demanded the Zemo <laughs> cut. Uh, I really liked him. And of course, the flag smashers, as we talked about, uh, just brought this whole level of like, how did you put it, Lorelai? Like it was very real, right? Like their plight was like is happening right now. Yeah, the refugee <laughs> concerns and problems are like happening now and and the flag smashers were dealing with it. It's sort of a very relatable thing to what we're seeing going on. I guess how did you guys think all of those villains worked in this show? Like there was a lot. There was a lot going on. We had we had Bucky dealing with his trauma, we had Sam dealing with his trauma, we had Bucky and Sam dealing with their trauma together. And then we had three different villains and Sharon Carter, whatever she was coming in at the end. So how do you think it all worked with that many villains? I mean, I think it was a pretty cohesive story and was still fun. I don't think Zemo was a villain. Like he definitely was like a pseudo protagonist because I enjoyed him too. And I wasn't yeah. like, he, he always had that air of like, is he going to double cross them? And I guess there were a couple scenes where he was selfishly motivated. And then he gets put in prison at the end. So he's obviously a bad guy to somebody. But I liked him. Every scene he was in was awesome. And then when everyone was battling and he was like, I'm going to sneak away. You're like, yeah, he should. Because he's smarter than these idiots. Like, he had that, like, you're going to root for that bad guy for whatever reason, you know? I would have been okay if he, like, got away. Yeah. I mean, he has killed a lot of people. But I think for that particular story anyway, not necessarily like overarching history. But I think that's something that they drive home at the end of this show. Zemo's in like the most secure prison on the planet and he still manages to kill the flag smashers. 
from prison. Which I don't really understand why. Because he wants to destroy all super soldiers. Oh, okay. That's his goal. Gotcha. What did you think, Lorelai? He was funny. I thought it was, I mean, it was kind of interesting that there wasn't really, like, one big bad except for, like, the system. I don't know. Yeah, that exactly. was the 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 real bad guy. So it was, you know, just sort of a different take on what the normal Marvel movie does, which was fun and interesting. And Yeah, it could different. have gone wrong because these movies tend to get flooded with stuff. Yeah. The last time we had three villains in a superhero movie was, I think, I think it was Spider-Man 3, Tobey Maguire. And I think that that movie did not, did not hmm. go well. Never seen <laughs> it. Was it. Just, there were just, there was just too much going on. This seemed to be able, this storytelling seemed to be able to do it, which I really enjoyed in a very enjoyable way, I guess. Yeah, maybe just, they're not like super villains. They're just regular old villains, but with some super serum. Yeah, there was like more depth to them, right? Like Zemo was a villain, but maybe like an anti-hero, but maybe a little bit of a protagonist. John Walker kind of breaks for a minute and fights the good guys, but... It's kind of a gray area. And then Carly Morgenthau and the Flag Smashers are fighting fighting for something. But not the right way. Right. So maybe villains is not the right word, I guess. Maybe that's the key. Robin, what did you think? How do you think it went? I think it worked well because none of them really felt like a villain. Maybe the, the Flag Smashers, if I had to pick, I would say they were probably the main bad guys in all of this but everyone else was just kind of a side character like Zemo didn't feel like the bad guy he just kind of was along for the ride and John Walker was just a big baby so (laughs) I wouldn't say he was even a bad guy I would just say he was a big super soldier having a temper tantrum throughout the entire (laughs) series yeah so i think that's probably why it worked well because it didn't feel like there were three villains fighting to be the the biggest bad guy it was just kind of like a group of people and the flag smashers were definitely probably the villain if i had to pick out of the three but it didn't feel like they were competing for that bad guy spot it just felt like there was that main sect of bad people and kind of all of the side characters that helped move it along. Right. So also something that Robin brought up this episode and the last episode we talked about this was not being, not really enjoying the therapy stuff, which I really enjoyed. And I think that it like, you have to normalize that stuff. Again, I like put pressure on pop culture to have an obligation to talk about this kind of stuff, especially when you have this audience. And I was really annoyed that they stopped the therapy sessions and that they all kind of went off and they were like macho men, super soldiers slash guys with wings. We don't need therapy. And then Sam at the end, Sam and Bucky's relationship develops over time. And then Sam at the end says something to Bucky. They're bonding And he's like, that's not closure, that's avenging when Bucky's talking about like going around and crossing names off the list. And I really thought that was a great sentiment, like carrying us into a new framework for the storytelling, like I was saying, like making deeper MCU storytelling. But 
come on. Why would you do away with the therapy session to then have... I don't think that should have came come from Sam. I think that that would have like meant had so much more of an impact, in my opinion, if it like was part of Bucky's therapy or Bucky and Sam's therapy together, like they did that couples therapy session. They shouldn't have done away with the therapist. Like they still went back to the therapy with that line. I just don't get why they would have done away with it. It was it could have been such like an important thing. Lorelai, did you think that like starting out, Bucky was seeing that therapist and then Sam and Bucky went to the couples therapy? Were you put off by that within the storytelling? Did you think that that was? I wasn't. I, I don't think I was as put off by that as you were. I mean, it they were just going to therapy and like, yeah, they made light of it a little bit, but they they were going like normally the if there's a therapist scene and I mean there's never been a therapist scene in a Marvel movie. I don't mm. know. Nobody goes to therapy. I more so was kind of like at the end when Bucky like crosses the last name off of the list and like he doesn't he gives the notebook back to the therapist. It's like, "Oh, I'm done." Fixed yeah, now. Exactly. I've got nothing else to do. <laughs> like, that's not really how, like, mental health works. Nope. I'm cured. Yeah, I'm cured <laughs> of my PTSD now. Yeah. So that was, like, a little bit disappointing. But, I mean, the whole movie wasn't going to be therapy. Like, I don't know. Well, that's why I said they should add a Bucky episode. Yeah. They could have gone deep into it if they wanted to, but they it could've, wasn't but, part of it. But it was a movie. Like, if it had been a movie and they had yeah. gone to the therapist, like seven times like it would either have to have been like short like bits and only funny or like they still addressed all a lot of the emotions and feelings and tensions and whatever in other ways just not with a therapist i don't know it would have been a boring movie had it been them in therapy like every episode or they would have had to make it more funny like they would have had to make the therapy more funny for that to work i think so yeah i just think it's there's something that I don't like about them being like, I don't need therapy, raw, to then going back to it at the end, but not with but not with the therapist. I don't know. There's just something about that for me. So I guess my question for Robin would be like, did you did you like pay attention? Were you affected by that scene at the end where Bucky and Sam are bonding and Bucky's like, that's not closure, that's avenging. I'd like to know how you view that scene versus the scene in therapy. Because I think that that scene should have been in therapy. I would agree with that. I I don't think Sam was the person who should have said that. It felt very corny. I think they could have had almost any other character. Like, that could have been in a past movie. It could have been Steve Rogers. It could have been the therapist. It could have been pretty much anyone but Sam. But for some reason, it felt very cheesy coming from Sam. I don't know. I'm glad they didn't super focus on the therapy aspect for a couple reasons. And the, I think kind of foremost, I didn't really like the therapist. She felt a little bit salty and rude to me. Like she didn't seem like a <laughs> soothing person you'd want to like, you know, talk to about your troubles. Yeah. And I for, probably for the same reason that like you don't like watching the boys. I don't want to watch a Marvel movie or TV show and think about, like, therapy and real-life things. I want to watch it and be like, they're beating the crap out of each other, and they're making funny, witty jokes, and this is really entertaining. 
See, I would be so much more into the boys if those characters were going to therapy. Hmm. They probably should go to therapy. And Homelander being like, <laughs> I just lasered through the woman I love's eyeballs. Like, can we work through this together? And maybe like do some exercises and work through it. But they don't. And that's why they're horrible people. Bryce, do you have any thoughts on therapy? Towards the end of Dexter, he goes to a therapist that like specializes in serial killers. And like that's his whole character is he's like trying to be a better person, but like he is a serial killer, but he's very aware of it, you know, and like kills bad people. And it's interesting, like no matter what your problem is, you got to work it out, whether you're a super soldier or a serial killer or whatever it else it might be. I think it's cool to see it on TV. It'd be cool yeah, if agree. it'd be cool if at the end he was like, I finished this book. And then the therapist is like, oh, so you think you're like cured? And then he's like, no, nah, I'll see you next week or something. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. That would be kind of cool. what I want. Release the therapy cut. In regards to the show, though, I don't think that matters because like you like Robin said, now, every time Bucky's in a movie, is he's like, oh, sorry, I got to go. I have a therapy meeting. I'll catch up with you later, Cap. Is that part of his character going on? I don't necessarily think so. Like, maybe humans in real life don't necessarily, like, check a box and then they're done with therapy. But in stories, they do. Whether or not that's a good representation of reality or not, that's how you, like, show a character, like, developing and he's over it now he's 100 percent bucky yeah and maybe one of the reasons why it's so troublesome is that most of these marvel movies like aren't meant to represent reality in any way right but this one for some reason is a lot more realistic and like in a lot of ways hits a little bit closer to home and i think the therapy aspect of it like does that too but the fact of the matter is that is it's not real and it's not really meant to be realistic yeah i mean it's still hopeful yeah it's still hopeful and it's like he yeah or like perhaps it's more so that his like court ordered like court mandated therapy is over or whatever because didn't he he got arrested or like he got stopped because he wasn't going or like i don't remember yeah he like had he had to go he was not choosing to do it so yeah i don't know i mean it's we, we could go back and forth about it all day i think that it's something that can be shown to show people that like even superheroes need help sometimes mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know, and they just I think they did of, that. I don't That's know. That's what they did. They showed it. They normalized it to a certain extent. It definitely helped him. Yeah. They showed him like figuring out like he then whether or not he used it the therapist wasn't telling him what to do she was giving him the tools like these are the actions these are your rules for like how you're going to exist in the world and like that's like more of a therapy thing versus being like you have to go apologize to that guy whose son you killed well i do think that there would be a little bit of that in therapy maybe even if you like write it down or do role play with your Mm -hmm. therapist and you don't actually do it but i do think that that would be an element of it I do think that it could continue on behind the scenes. I don't know. There's, and they could make, they could inject it into scenes. Like there's a great scene in the Hulk, the incredible Hulk with Edward Norton, where Bruce Banner and Elizabeth Roths are in a New York city taxi and he's driving like a maniac and they like jump out of the taxi and Elizabeth Ross is like yelling at the taxi driver and Banner's like, 
I could teach you some breathing techniques to work on the anger <laughs> or something. And it could just be like elements of that throughout. But yeah, okay. And that's our take on therapy. You're welcome, everybody. We all enjoyed the show. I think it was good. I think it's a nice, it's another nice step into this sort of new wave of MCU storytelling. God, there's so much more I have to say, but we're going to run out of time. I will commit Lorelai and I to doing a different episode, episode about the racial stuff brought up in this show. I think that that certainly deserves discussion its own attention and yeah it definitely deserves its own attention so we're gonna talk about that and god there's just so much of it something else that hasn't been done in these shows just there's just a lot so we're gonna talk about it so that's it 12 out of 10 buckies royce how many buckies do you give it i mean i don't know if i could give it 10 but i would give it nine i think lorelei said eight i think it's better nine than eight I think I said 8.5. Nine out of 10 buckies, eight, eight and a half out of I'm 10 buckies. I'm going to go eight and a half buckies. And I'd give it, I'd give it eight, I guess. B, solid B. And that's it. That's where we're at. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does everyone know what it's time for now? What's it time for? <laughs> Surprise question time with Joey. Do you know what it's time for? It's surprise question time. That's it. I nailed it. Here's my surprise question. Did did we did we all do something fun for May the 4th? Uh, Lorelai, what did you do for May the 4th? Well, Joey's mom was here. <laughs> I got a COVID test. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I always no start with No better these. way to celebrate Star Wars. <laughs> but we watched The Force Awakens, mm-hmm. which I wish I had rewatched before we had our, you know, oh, what's our favorite about everything? Because I... I just really need to have seen these things recently in order to remember anything about them. But it was very fun and very enjoyable. We should have made a Star Wars meal, but we didn't. Yeah. Um, But we also don't have a kitchen, so that doesn't help that. But yeah, we watched The Force Awakens. The best, right? It was so good. It really, you know, it's the best, but in a different way. I think. What do you mean? I mean, I mean, if I want to watch like an old movie that's also good, I'll watch A New Hope. And if I want to watch a new movie that is also good, I'll watch that one. And All right. not the prequels. Great. Don't say that in front of Royce. Sorry, Royce. He's a prequel stan. It's the first time I've ever said stan out loud. Stan. Royce, did you do anything fun for May the 4th? Of course you did. We released... Krypton to Alderaan's May the 4th episode, and Royce released the Royish Good Looks May the 4th episode. I've answered for Royce. Robin? No, just kidding. (laughs) Royce? (laughs) No, there you go. We released two Star Wars-themed podcasts. It was awesome. And not only that, but I feel like what Robin and I did has to be the same thing, so you can chime in whenever you feel like Robin. But I was excited for Star Wars Biomes on Disney+. Plus which is basically the most expensive screensaver ever known to man. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like a pseudo behind the scenes. Like these are the locations we shot these like epic scenes in and have some sort of a deep dive. It's literally just a screensaver of like a drone flying through Hoth and Tatooine. It's pretty cool. Like if you're going to have a party and you're like, we're going to play music, but like nothing's on the TV 
especially if it's any kind of like nerd related gathering. You gonna put it on loop though, because it's only like 20 minutes. I think it was uh, 10 or maybe 10 or 15 minutes long. And it's it looks awesome. It's great. But there's nothing really like super exciting about it. It's just a screensaver. But there's a couple <laughs> couple biomes in uh, maybe I'm not gonna spoil it, but like it's not everywhere you would think. Like <laughs> I thought of like, okay, I know where they're gonna go next and it didn't go where I thought they would go next, but they jump around. And then they had, I forget what it's called, but they do like a starship fly through. Vehicle fly through. Vehicle fly through. Yeah. Where you get to see like all around the Millennium Falcon and mm-hmm. all around a uh, Star Destroyer. And that said it was a season of which those are two separate episodes. So I'm going to need more. I want to see the Rebel Frigate. I would, dude, you got X-Wings, Y-Wings, B-Wings, A-Wings, U-Wings. There's Hammerhead all sorts. Corvettes. There's so many vehicles they could do for that. I was stoked that they put that into seasons. Put the biomes into seasons. And like you said, Robin, have it loop. <laughs> like, just yeah. Hoth all day. And then we caught a little bit of Return of the Jedi. So we didn't like sit down and watch one all the way through. But mm. you got mm. anything to add to that, Robin? Nope. Did you do anything other than that for May the 4th, Robin? Uh, not unless you count getting a vaccine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got We're all vaccinated. Vac- second yeah. vaccine shots on May the 4th. Now we can hang out in person together. Yay. Someday. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> uh, hey, listeners, let us know what you did for May the 4th. I'd be curious. Oh, also, I uh, watched The Bad Batch and then The Force Awakens. I also... I. Ch- can't believe I forgot about it, but I've been playing Dark Forces, which was two oh, bucks. Oh, that should have been what you're into. It should have been. I totally forgot. It was two bucks on Steam. It was like, how can I not? And also Rebel Assault 1 and 2 were like a dollar a piece. So I I just bought a bunch of 90s video games. Nice. To play on my MacBook. And I'm stuck on a level right now. The of Dark ice, Forces? The, I forget what the level's called, but it's like an ice planet. It's a tough one. There's a conveyor belt, and then you got to have a gas mask. It's tough. (laughs) Go watch The Bad Batch, everyone listening. Uh, And also, let us know what you did for May the 4th. I'd be very curious. Tweet us, or Facebook us, or Instagram us, or whatever. Just find us and let us know. All right. Thank you for making it to the end of the episode. Plus XP. Hit escape to enter the (laughs) next mission. It's really the weirdest way to end a level in a video game. The, the level doesn't end. It's not like... You have to hit escape to leave the mission, even though it's over. Why? I don't understand. But anyway, we appreciate you making it to the end of the episode. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at krypton to alderon Or you could pew, 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 shoot us an email. krypton to alderon at gmail.com. And remember to rate, review, subscribe, like, comment, share, and other social media engagements that you can have with us. And that's the end of the show. I have been Royce. I've been Robin. I've been Lorelai. I have been Kyle Katarn. And we've been... Finding out plans to the Death Star. Star.